Okay, guys, so I'm glad that you've come today. We're going to kick off. And so far in this series, we've been looking for the last three weeks, this is the fourth, we've been looking at challenges to Christianity that you will hear at university, you will hear at school, and you will hear at work. The first one uh, that we looked at, the first truth that we looked at and challenge was, guys, how do we know anything exists? How do we know truth exists? And we saw... We looked at real, the, the objection that real truth doesn't exist. Truth is just what's true for you. That's what we looked at the very first week. But what we actually saw in that first series, and if you missed it, I'd highly encourage you to pick it up in SoundCloud on the web, is that truth actually does exist and it is knowable. That was the first conclusion of the first week. Then we looked at the next challenge, and this is one you often get from hardened atheists. And that is, God does not exist. That was a second challenge. And we answered that in the second week by looking at actually, we looked at evidence from there was a beginning of the universe. You remember that? There was a beginning, and therefore there's a beginner. Second, we looked at the incredibly complex design that we see in the nanoscale, down at the cellular level, and up to the galactic or macro scale. And we saw also that there's a moral law. And those things seem to point to a God. Now, the third week we looked at, well, okay, if God does exist, well, he's not necessarily the God of the Bible. That's what you're going to hear. If they concede that. The next one, they're, getting, they're moving back a bit because these steps logically build. If he does exist... He's not necessarily the God of the Bible, but what we saw in week three was actually eight characteristics that the beginner and the creator and the designer must logically have. And when we examined those, what did we find? We found that those eight characteristics were uncannily similar, just similar, that's all we can say at the moment, to the God of the Bible. That's what we saw. Now, today, we're going to attack the fourth uh, challenge that you will receive. And many of you will hear this, and it is this. Miracles don't happen. Miracles don't happen. Now, so what? Well, I'll tell you what, so what? That is a huge potential problem. Why? Well, because both the Old Testament and the New Testament record many miracles. The four Gospels record the greatest miracle claim of all. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, which remember is 2014, whereby the whole world uses that one reference point, that one miracle, as a decarmarcation point on every bank statement and every receipt you even get from Pack and Save. So in one sense, Pack and Save is declaring the glory of God. <laughs> it is. The whole of history is split in two. And it's all around this miracle called a resurrection. But, now think about this fairly. If there are no miracles, the Bible is not reliable. And Jesus did not rise from the dead if there were no miracles. Now, if you were to take a survey of the general populace 
You will be surprised at the results when it comes to miracles. And actually, recently, Huffington Post, which is not exactly a bastion of Christianity, recently commented that multiple polls that they'd surveyed, and multiple of multiple polls, pig belief in miracles at 80% across the population. So, let's start this week by defining what we mean as a miracle. Often we misuse this term, calling a purely unusual event a miracle. For example, that was a miracle, I passed that test. (laughs) That's a total misuse of the word miracle. So what is a miracle? We need to define a few terms here. Well, firstly, a miracle is a supernatural intervention. The word supernatural means that God is the cause of true miracles because human power alone cannot perform a miracle. It is a special act of God. Now, an instance of this, an example, would be the instant disappearance of a large malignant tumour without any medical help. That would be fair enough. Now, what do we mean by a miracle? Second, it is a miracle transcends but does not break natural laws. That's important. We'll get to that in a minute. Suppose a skydiver up in the plane, 3,000 metres up there, and he leaps out and the parachute fails to open. Now, the law, the natural law of gravity would ensure his immediate death upon impact. But if he floated down gently and landed on his feet unhurt, everyone would agree that a miracle had happened. Yet the law of gravity would not have suddenly been broken. It would be still operating as always has. Instead, the law of gravity would have been suspended This will be a miracle because God and only God can transcend natural laws. He created the law of gravity so he can override it should he choose to because he's the creator. So a miracle overpowers the laws of nature without breaking them. It is an exception to a natural law. Third, a miracle has a special Purpose. Now one day, a group of Jews, having heard about the miracles Jesus had been performing, they kind of say, hey, Jesus, how about you know, performing a trick for us? Give us a miracle. And you'll see that in Matthew 6, 14, if you want to go check it out to get the context. Now, Jesus were, gave them some pretty stern words, actually. People who were always looking for miracles. If you ever come across people who are always looking for miracles, you need to look that up, Matthew 16, 4, and see how Jesus responded to them. There's a good answer there that Jesus gave them, Matthew 16, 4. But Jesus didn't intend to perform a miracle just to entertain anybody. This is not like a parlor trick. There was already well enough evidence for them 
to show who he was. Now, here's the point. God does not and will not perform miracles merely to amuse or to amaze men and women. So, let's move on to the purpose of miracles. Let's define that a little bit more. So the main purpose of biblical miracles was to confirm that somebody or something was actually from God. For example, the miracles which God used to empower Moses were evidence that God had sent him. How will I know? We said, pick up this and do this and do that, and then he'll know. So God used those miracles as evidence to Pharaoh and his magicians and all those guys that he was actually from God. God also uses miracles to show people that he had sent Jesus. Now the Gospels record many miracles that Jesus did. He turned water into what? Yeah. Muhammad was a cheat. The Quran, oh actually not the Quran, one of the Hadiths tries to copy this, but because Muslims don't drink wine, they had to have it water into milk. Well, big whoopie do, a cow can do that. (laughs) So the Gospels record many miracles. He fed thousands of people with only a a couple of loaves of bread and a few fish. He cast out demons, healed diseases and illnesses, and he even raised the dead. Now, Jesus didn't do these things to be nice to people or to astonish people. He did them to prove who he was, which was this, God in the flesh. Remember, Jesus is not number two, like the deputy to God. He is God himself in the flesh. The Bible says this in John chapter 20, verse 30. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. So not all the miracles there, the scriptures even say, that Jesus did are recorded in the Bible. Not all of them. And in John 20 verse 31, the apostle John said he recorded Christ's miracles. Why did John write down all of Christ, well, the miracles of Christ? Here they are. The apostle John did that, that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His name. There was a purpose to the miracles, that you may believe. And then Nicodemus, he had a PhD equivalent of today, one of the religious leaders. He was a ruler of the Jews, said that he knew that Jesus was from God. Notice the reason here, recorded in the Scripture. Since no one can perform the signs that you are doing if God were not with him. Nicodemus saw that as a demonstration, a confirmation that Jesus Christ was God. Also, miracles are given given as proof that the apostles were sent from God and therefore their message was from God. The apostles, it conferred immediate authority. Look, if somebody raised somebody from the dead, it would 
immediately confer extraordinary authority and it would certainly have your attention. That's what is going on here. Proof that the apostles were for God and therefore their message, which is written down in the Scriptures for us, as well as from God. Here we go. 2 Corinthians 12, 12. The signs of a true apostle. By the way, there are many people in the world today who call themselves apostles. When people call themselves that, you need to check what the qualification for an apostle was. One. And another place in the Scriptures, it said they saw Jesus. Have anybody that you've seen, man, today seen Jesus? Number two, it's sitting right here in front of you. The sign of a true apostle were, apostle were, to, were performed amongst you. What were they? With uttermost patience, with signs, wonders, and mighty works. Anybody who claims to be an apostle, you have the right as good Bereans to say, where are your signs, where are your wonders, and where are your great mighty works? And by the way, have you seen Jesus lately? Because they were the definition of an apostle. So to me, that cancels out anybody that's alive today. Maybe you find nobody, somebody who's seen Jesus. So, God also used miracles to bring people to Jesus. Peter prayed for Tabitha, who was a wonderful woman who spent her time helping the poor, but she became sick. Imagine that. A Christian who'd been helping people and it's, it's renowned through Scripture what she did, Tabitha. But she got sick. And worse, she died. Scriptures are very clear about that. She'd been sick. Her body had already been washed and laid up in an upper room ready for burial. But Peter came along and prayed for her. And God does a miracle through Peter and raising a dead woman to life. Now the Bible records this in Acts 9.42. This became known all over Joppa. No kidding. If the bird was sick, the whole community saw that, that she'd already died, she'd already been washed by a bunch of women ready for burial, and there's normally great wailing and gnashing of teeth, and the next moment, Peter rolls in there, upstairs with these other people, prays for her, boom! She's back up, she's walking around. Let me tell you, as the Scripture says, this became known all over Joppa, and many People believed. Look, if you just seen your mother die, and she'd been dead for about a day or two or three, dead, flat, fresh up, ready to be all embalmed, this joker comes along and you knew she was dead. You'd been through the heart, your heart sobbed. They knew quite well what's dead. Dead's dead, and so there's dead's now. And she came back to life. Let me tell you, that would have your attention. Nothing else would matter. What you saw then would radically impact your life for good. It would disproportionately blow your mind. This became known all over Joppa because women talk. <laughs> so did everybody else in that place. And many people believed because there she was. There she was at the market. There she was down at the well. No dispute in that. She was there. Now, miracles can also be used to teach us who God is. They reveal Him to be loving and powerful. For example, when Jesus raised the only son of a widow. Look, if you're a widow, it's tough enough back then. 
But if it's your only son, it shows not only God's power, but his love and his care for us, that personal dimension of God. Now, I want to say this. Not everything unusual is a miracle. Many unusual or remarkable events are not miracles. Some, the first, some unusual incidents happen as a result of natural causes, and they're very explainable. In 2009, Captain Chelsea Sullenberger on US Flight Airways, Flight 1549, was two minutes out of New York, headed for Charlotte, which is, by the way, where Dr. Geiser lives. And it collided with some large birds. Now, that's a big problem. They sucked them into your engine. Now, chances of survival were slim to none. But the pilot opted to ditch the plane in the Hudson River, and all 155 on board survived. How many remember that? It was stunning. Amazing. But it was not a miracle because, interestingly, though, the event was instantly called a miracle by all the press. But the captain said he didn't think so. He thought it was a case of where everybody just did their jobs. No natural laws were suspended. But a highly skilled pilot superbly and safely set down the plane in a unique in unique and extenuating circumstances. That's what happened there. That was not a miracle. So let's kind of get a bit more definition on that. What is and what isn't a miracle? Well, the first one, uh, there's six different categories of unusual events. Let's quickly whip through them. I'm going to go through each one quickly. Anomalies is the first. Magic is the second. Psychosomatic um, effects is the third. Uh, providence and miracles. So let's take the first one, anomalies. These things are freaks of nature, things that shouldn't be. The natural events with a pattern, and a good example of that will be a bumblebee. Every engineer in this room will tell you a bumblebee should not fly, but it does. It's just an anomaly. Uh, that doesn't make sense. Do you see any planes shaped like a bumblebee? <laughs> Nothing like it. Second one is magic. Now, magic is basically sleight of hand and it's done. I used to be the New Zealand Society of Magicians um, Assistant Secretary when I was 14 years old. I was deep into this. Because I loved, I knew, I, I just loved that whole area of sleight of hand. And, but a skilled magician can give the appearance of having broken a natural law. You know, for example, when he levitates, supposedly, a woman. Passes the rings over, the whole deal, or he sticks her there. Notice it's the woman that gets the tough deal, chopped in half, you know, walks through the middle of her, comes back again. All right? So it gives it appearance, make it an object, apparently materialize or dematerialize, keeping something aloft in the air. But there's a natural explanation to each one, every one of them. No illusion breaks a natural law and they're done solely by very clever people who deceive us and tell us lies all the time. That's one of the reasons why I stop that. Because every time I tell a magic trick, I'm lying to you and I'm deceiving you. And that doesn't sound very godly. Just a thought. Just a thought. Uh, the third type of unusual event, uh, which sometimes is a little difficult to get their heads around, is psychosomatic causes. That's mind over matter. And we often see this sometimes with people, uh, you know, 
and the traits that requires faith and it fails for some. And sometimes I hired a friend <laughs> who thought he had an allergy to flowers. Okay? And one day he walked into this room and he started sneezing his head off because he saw some flowers there. And another one of his friends came up to him and said, do you realise that these are plastic flowers? <laughs> and you know what? Ever since that time, he's never sneezed again. But he, had, he thought that he was allergic to those things and they were actually plastic. But mind over matter. Some people seem to get some benefit, but that is not a miracle. It's a psychosomatic cause. Then you've got satanic. Things that are done by satanic power. That's demonic. That's things like the occult. Things like Ouija boards. Keep away from those. The scriptures are extremely clear. Keep well away from that. Because the demonic power is one thing that is very real. Because God's real, so is demonic power. But keep away from that. Tarot cards, horoscopes. That is not where you get your future from. Your future is in God's hands. And then you've got other areas which is often mixed up for miracles. And that's the area of providence. Prearranged events, which are, you know, it's attributed to be divine, but it's naturally explainable. But it could have a spiritual context. And a good example of this is the fog at Normandy. The next one. If you could just pop it up, please, Chris. That'd be great. Uh, and miracles. Just keep on stepping them down. That'd be great, mate. So the divine acts, supernatural. Never f- the miracle will never fail. You won't have a miracle and it's gone. It, it lasts and it gives glory to God. And a good example of this is raising from the dead. Next slide, Chris. Here's the basic uh, summary of all of those. But my point is that the anomalies, the magic, the psychosomatic, unusual events, the satanic signs of the providence are not miracles. The right-hand column, which I think, I actually didn't put that in your, in your notes, are genuine miracles. That's what we're talking about. There's differences. Now, Miracles authenticate the messenger. In the days when, uh, when long-distance messages were sent by hand, a runner would run with a message like a courier. A king, to verify the authenticity, would take his ring and he'd seal it. You know about this, Gavin, Mr. Courier over here. And it would genuinely confirm that this message was from the king and not some poser posing for the king and sending spurious messages. A sign to the recipient that the message was authentic. Now, the seal needed to be unusual and unique. It had to be something only the king possessed. In the same way, the signs or miracles that confirm the message is from God and is authentic come in the same way. Think about Moses and Elijah and Elisha. And Jesus and the apostles, they confirmed the message was unique. You can just zip the one on over, Chris. So there's a sign, the miracles, authentic messenger. So here's the point. Why is it important whether miracles can happen, whether it's possible, or whether miracles cannot? Well, here's the point. If there are no miracles, then much of the Old Testament is false. Remember the law of non-contradiction. From Moses down on through the prophets, all the Old Testament records a multitude of miracles. Now, if they can't or don't happen, then the Old Testament's not reliable. 
then much of the New Testament would be false as well. Because the New Testament clearly affirms the astonishing miracles that Jesus performed. And even before Jesus arrived in the flesh, the virgin birth is an amazing miracle. Directly related to this point, John the Baptist sends his disciples to see if Jesus was the Son of God and sent from God. And look what look what's, happens here. So he replied to the messengers, go back, this is Jesus speaking to the messengers, and report to John what you have seen. Eyewitness. The highest form, the highest value of testimony you can get in a court of law. Eyewitness. What did you see? The blind received sight. What did you see? I saw the lame walk. What did you see? Those who have leprosy cured. What did I see? The deaf here. What did I see? The dead are raised. This and the good news is preached to the poor. That's what he saw. Now Peter talking to the Jews. Next scripture. And others living in Jerusalem also said miracles are proof that Jesus was sent from God. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited, accredited to, by God to you. How? How? By miracles. Don't ever back off on that. You are logically consistent. Wonders and signs which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. And also, 1 Corinthians 15, 17, I'm going to get to that. If there are no miracles, let me be real clear, be logically consistent. If there are no miracles, Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead. Let me be clear about that. So never give up on this miracles. If he was not raised from the dead, then not only are the Gospels false documents, but as Paul also wrote here, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Do not give up on miracles. Don't surrender that. So, are miracles possible? Let me, this, the answer to this is real simple. If God exists, miracles are possible. There's your, there's your word, your thought grouping that is logically, logically consistent and coherent if you've been following all the way along so far. That's it there. If Genesis 1-1 is true, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, right? If Genesis 1-1 is true, then every other miracle is easy to believe. What is that? Just restart a heart. Restart this. Compared to the whole universe, if Genesis 1-1 is true, then any other miracle is possible. If there's a God who created and designed the universe, then of course he can be involved in creation any time he wants. He can choose that. Now if God is a source of all natural laws, he can supersede them any time because no creature can tell the creator that he cannot do what he desires to do. Any creature can't do, tell him that. A God who could create time and space, planets, moons, energy, all varieties of life could perform simple acts 
like healing or helping in the time of need. And that ought to end the debate right there. But some lays some objections. And I just, we haven't got time for a lot this morning, so I'm just going to take the top one that you may going to hear. And this is this. Ah, yeah, well, all religions claim some kind of miracle. So miracles can't prove that one belief system is better than another or is true. That's common. Now, suppose the followers of Moses and Buddha and Jesus and Muhammad and Krishna and Joseph Smith all claimed, claimed, suppose they all claimed, some of them do not. In fact, we'll get to that in a second. Suppose that they claimed their founder walked on water or that he rose from the dead. Actually, none of them claimed that, by the way. If such claims were made, and if they were all true, then no one could ever use them as evidence that only their religion was true, if that was true. See, Jesus' miracles wouldn't prove that he was sent from God any more than Joseph Smith was. But are all miracle claims truly the same for all faiths? Or... Are biblical miracles different and very unique from any other supposed miracles? Are they different? I want to now look at six reasons the Bible's miracles are not like any other claims. The first one is there are hundreds of biblical miracles. Actually, the Bible records 250 Miracles, 60 in the Gospels alone. These accounts don't come from people who heard about them from the mothers, brothers, aunties, sisters, grandmothers, goodness knows how long up there, several generations after the event. These were eyewitnesses. Now, they were so impacted by these miracles that no longer did their job mean anything to them. No longer did their social standing mean anything to them. They just left the lot because this radically arrested their lives when they saw it. As it would you. Now, everything else lost focus. It was cataclysmic in their lives. These were eyewitnesses. So much so, that as I mentioned, they'd leave everything and they'd even prepare to lose their lives because, I mean, hey, take your best shot. I know what I've seen, and I've seen it before. I will not give up my faith because I've seen this. Get me out of here. I don't care. I'm going to be. I'm going straight to heaven. It's that real. Heaven becomes a whole bunch more real, and your faith becomes solid as steel. So, biblical miracles are unique in their quantity. No other religion claims so many miracles from eyewitnesses. In fact, there are none. Muhammad. We'll get to that a little later. Number two, biblical miracles are immediate and they are permanent. A genuine miracle happens immediately, not over a period of time. Genuine miracles, 
Jesus, for example, reached out his hand and touched the man, and he said, "I'm willing, be clean." Immediately, the Bible says in Matthew eight three. You may want to write that down if you're looking up there. Matthew eight three. Immediately, he was cured of his leprosy. Not the next hour, not the next day, not the next month, not the next year. Immediately. Matthew eight thirteen. Then Jesus said to the centurion, "Go, and it will be done to you just as you believed it would." And his servant was healed. That very hour, Acts three seven. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong, like that quick. Pull him up, up. That is the mark of a miracle. Now these miracles were all permanent. Do I know relapses? It was the real deal. Now be careful, people. Do not be gullible. Because in the end times, the Bible says many will come claiming to do miracles. They will not be. They'll be oh, all of a sudden they seem to get healed and psh, they fall off. Psychosomatic causes, other things can cause that. A real miracle doesn't break like that. Now, of course, let me just be clear: those who have been healed of blindness didn't lose their sight. Those who were healed of deafness didn't lose their ability to hear. Now. Once I just want to make a slight caveat there. Of course, people who were brought back to life, like Lazarus, died again. But that's okay. We know that. Next, biblical miracles, unlike legends or fables, fit reality. They fit reality. Christian miracles fit into nature and the world as we know it. For example. Uh, well, actually, let me just get there. The virgin birth was unique, a、uh, unique miracle. But once Mary became pre-、um, pregnant, the pregnancy proceeded as normal, and she delivered as normal. She had a normal delivery after nine months. It wasn't a two-week virgin birth, and it came. No, no, no. Once the miracle happened, it continued its normal delivery. The miracles of Christ were spectacular, but once He healed someone, they proceeded with life normally. They didn't suddenly grow wings and fly; they continued. None of those healed became clairvoyant. None ended up walking around with a halo around their head, or were weird. None of that happened. Be careful. There was a miracle. And then everyday life went on as it normally would. Conversely, here's the antithesis. Notice the contrast. Non-biblical claims, even claims, are often bizarre, and they don't fit into the real world. For example, for example, Muhammad claimed he rode into Jerusalem one night on a white-winged horse. Weird. Joseph Smith claimed that he、uh, that he translated the Book of Mormon into English from a language he didn't even know, using a magical pair of rose-coloured glasses. Weird. That's what he. You need to know that when you're standing in front of a Mormon who's trying to say, "Hey, we're the way." Actually, they're polytheists, but that's another subject. Tibetan Buddhists. Claim to have occultish power to suspend people in midair. Nothing like this is found in biblical accounts. The next reason: 
Biblical miracles involve no ritual or formula. If you just do it this exact way, it'll happen all the time. The miracles in the Bible don't follow a prescribed formula or a pattern because Jesus healed in many different ways. Sometimes he touched those and they were healed. Sometimes he wasn't even in the same town as them. He said, it's done. And it was done. There was no formula or... The Bible presents no ritual that somebody should or could learn to perform miracles. Other religions have these elements, secret uh, uh, methods and secret rituals or special rites or magical words or phrases. That is not biblical. No special touch from a guru or a spiritist. Nothing like that in the Bible. Nothing at all. The next reason is biblical miracles were recorded while the eyewitnesses were still alive. They were based on the records of people who witnessed the events. This is not true. N-O-T, capital N-O-T, true of the other religions. Miraculous claims regarding Buddha came along 150 years after him. Plenty of time for legends to grow. But if you said, hey, well, how do we know Tabitha was raised? Well, you say, go talk to her. She's over there. The whole city knew. People could see her. There was an immediacy. There was a veracity. There was an authenticity to it. None of Buddha's supposed miracles were recorded by contemporary eyewitnesses. And by the way, the Quran says, this is a fact, this is a Quran, says that Allah did not give Muhammad power to perform miracles. Did not. There's a flat contradiction in the Quran that says Muhammad was not given the power to do miracles. So he had no miraculous power. Stuff came up later in these things called the hadiths, which are sayings, which years and years and years and years, actually hundreds of years later, came to be. Next, six biblical reasons, Bible miracles are not like other claims. Christianity makes unique miracle claims for its founder. There's at least three, I could have given you heaps more, three that we're going to look at. Number one, we have no contemporary documents for any other religious leader or immediate follower claiming to be virgin born. None, that's unique. Men like Muhammad, Buddha and Joseph Smith never claimed to be sinless. Never. In fact, their followers said they weren't. They respected them, but they did not claim they were perfect. No other religion has claimed their founder raised from the dead. Because today I can take you to the places where the bodies of Muhammad and Krishna and Buddha and Smith are resting in their graves. I can take you there. All religions, the point of this, do not make the same miracle claims. And biblical miracles are unique. And so therefore they can be used as evidence towards Christianity being true. Now here's an observation. All religions don't make the same or unique or similar miracle claims. So please remember, biblical miracles are unique and so they can be used as evidence. When they say other ones do, you show me where, they don't. That's a smokescreen, dig. So what we've learned, if God exists, if he does exist, then miracles are possible. 
Because God created everything, including natural laws. He is a natural lawmaker who has the prerogative to temporarily suspend or supersede or make exceptions to his laws. Men cannot lock God out of his universe. So Mr. Lewis, C.S. Lewis said this, if we admit God, we must, must we admit miracles? And he says this, indeed, indeed, you have no security against it. That's the bargain. That's the bargain. So to disprove miracles, you'd first have to disprove God and nobody has been able to do that. Nobody's ever succeeded. Miracles were special acts of God that laid the foundation for his permanent revelation to mankind. Now, I want to go back and look at the questions we started with. Here's the four familiar questions that you'll have seen. Which of these four contradictory views that we started with, worldviews, have so far the facts supported? Previously, we ruled out the worldview of atheism. That's saying, quite arrogantly, there is no God. But how do you know that? Do you know everything there is to know? Remember we went through that with the circle. Then secondly, we looked at pantheism because our evidence, uh, we looked at pantheism and we, and we disproved that. Now we need to revisit how well does deism stand up to the evidence? Deism fails because it denies miracles. This presents some problems. Why would God create and design everything with such care and then just abandon it? Why would God make a universe and life itself then just walk away? Another problem for deism is that the designer seems to be concerned about our well-being. We're in the Goldilocks zone. Not too hot, not too cold, not too far away, not too close. And the evidence shows, as we looked in the second week, that he loves and cares for us. And he's fashioned the world and indeed the universe to support our life. He's given us air to breathe, water to drink. So I remember seeing in California one day on one of the billboards, it said, imagine if air, the cost of air, if it came to us by any other supplier. <laughs> yeah. If he cared so much to design the whole universe so that human life could thrive, why... Would we conclude that he didn't care? Why would we conclude that that would all of a sudden change? So logically, it follows that if there is a God, there can be miracles. Because no one can tell the Creator he can't intervene. At this point, we must rule out deism. The remaining question will be, which of the three theistic religions is the best match for the rest of the evidence? We're going to examine Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Because they all believe in God. But be careful. When somebody tells you they believe in God, a quick way to get this is not in my notes, but you need to figure out what they're talking about. If they say they believe in God, a quick sidebar is if, it, if that, you say, well, what does your God look like? If he doesn't look like Jesus Christ, he's not the same God. <laughs> so be careful. They all believe in a God, loosely termed, who created and designed everything that exists. They all can kind of accede to a universal moral law. And these three in particular, and only these three, only these three accept miracles are possible. However, Islam has its own problems regarding its supposed miracles. As I mentioned before, the Quran explicitly says, 
Muhammad performed no supernatural miracles. That's their own document saying no to miracles. Folk tales of them don't show up to about 150 years later after Muhammad's death via word of mouth and contained in the Hadith. For example, let me give you some of the things that were said. So if somebody says this to you, you're not thrown. Islam... Alleged miracles don't pass many of our tests. Do you ever think about that for some of these miracles? They don't match reality. For example, Muhammad was said in the Hadiths to have cut the moon in half with his sword. I'm just telling you. So don't be pressurised or pushed back. Also in the Hadiths, palm trees were supposedly lean over to shade him. Wherever he went, they just shh. Then this one, shh. Then this one, shh. Lean over. That's what it says. You can read it for yourself. Also, the Hadith claim that rocks would speak as he, as he walked by. And allegedly, his food would speak as well. I'd hate to see what it would say. Don't eat me. <laughs> I mean, crazy. Crazy stuff. But that, that's what you need to be aware of. So, the remaining question we'll focus on is which of the three theistic religions best matches the rest of the evidence which we're going to examine? And the next challenge we'll be looking at, and it's a big one. Do not, of all weeks, I don't want you to miss any of them, but next week is critical. We're going to examine the evidence for the New Testament's reliability. Because, boy, you're going to get this question. Judaism doesn't recognise the New Testament. You're probably aware of that. Islam claims, as others do, it's been corrupted. You're going to hear that at work, a challenge. And next week I'm going to give you some solid evidence to show, well, we'll look at what that evidence shows. Father, I thank you that you are a God who loves us, that you created this world from nothing so that we could live and enjoy this world and get to know you on this planet, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that your word and the facts back up your word. There's nothing ever been discovered in archaeology or science that contradicts your word. Lord, you're just so amazing and you're so knowledgeable that we're trying to catch up with you. With millions of PhDs with the fastest computers in the world and we're still only scratching the surface and how amazing you are. What incredible design, what incredible wisdom you used to put this place together. And Lord, that is indicative of how much you love us. You took so much care. Thank you for this time. Thank you, Father, for open hearts and open minds. And I pray each week, as people are at school, as people are at work, even in their own homes, as they're challenged, by thinking which is of this world, that you would give your people wisdom to respond appropriately. And Father, for those who are seeking, I pray your Holy Spirit would continue to draw them as they seek the truth. Because Lord, your word promises as they seek the truth, they will find it. May your blessing rest upon these people, Lord. And Father, may your Spirit seal your love 
and your words in their hearts. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen.